Wednesday evening, Movement Church family. It is great to be with you. Um, this is Pastor Pat here. Welcome to another edition. Week two, we went through week one. Now we're in week two of Wednesday Night Live. Tonight, I have a special guest. I have, my, I have my wife, Shandra, here with me, um, who usually is at home and taking care of a brood of children, our seven children, and my mother-in-law who lives with us. So I just wanted to thank you for being here with me tonight and taking the time out because it's not a sacrifice for me. All your moms out there, I, there's going to be a bunch of shout outs for this, but it is not difficult for me to get myself ready and out of the house. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> it takes a ton of work for you to get things together and get out of the house because she's thinking about the baby and what she's going to eat while she's here and all these other things. So I just wanted to thank you for joining me. And looking pretty next to me and all the intelligence and the strong support that you're going to bring. So, hey, listen, you and I this last week, um, I wanted to set the tone a little bit for this week. Um, for those of you joining us, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually press a, a little bit back into my message from this last Sunday. And you and I have been talking a lot about fear. And uh, on Sunday, I was talking about and I had brought up the fact that just because you're dealing with or you feel fear, it doesn't mean that you're a failure with your faith. And so tonight what I want to do, our hope and our goal is, is that her and I are just going to have an open discussion about our thoughts and what we've been processing as we've gone through the last handful of weeks um, and bring in hopefully a few things that we've learned along the way in our journey, in our marriage as parents um, as pastors, as friends, um, as siblings, and just relationally, and to talk about a few things that I think have been really not only informative, but formative for you and I when dealing with fear, dealing with anxiety, and dealing with things that are going on around us. So the, the first question that I really wanted to frame was, um, what do we do as Christians, this is what you and I have been talking about, what do we do as Christians, as people of faith, and if you're joining and you're not a person of, of faith, if you if you haven't said, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, um, this does not exclude you because we're going to talk about some really key things that I think really are just key to humanity, wouldn't you agree? Okay, so what do we do when we're caught in the middle of faith in fear. And when we were chatting about this, what was what was the first thing that you felt like needed to happen? I think the first thing is to I think it there has been a bit of a disservice especially in the Christian community. Um I think it's easy for me to say to someone, you know, don't be afraid. We just you're not exercising faith, you're not calling on your faith if you do feel afraid or you feel fear. Um because fear is a universal feeling, because fear is common to man. Um, so acknowledging that. I think, it would, like I said, it would be a disservice to tell somebody, well, you don't feel afraid or you don't need to feel afraid because da-da-da-da-da. Yes, within context. So specifically, there's been a few instances that you and I have had people reach out to us or people in, in our conversations mm -hmm. that are, are, are Christians, they're they have a professed faith in Jesus Christ. And there's all these scriptures about fear and, and you know, perfect love drives out fear and, and all these things that we kind of frame our faith with. And what's happening is, is that people are feeling a little bit potentially like, I'm feeling a little bit uneasy right now. We're like, we're in this unknown situation, unknown times. There's some, there's definitely some uncertainty. You and I are experiencing this in our own personal life. Um, there's some uncertainty and I'm being either A, this is re really what I heard you say, A, um, I'm being made to feel like I'm less than maybe uh, in my faith or I'm not faithful enough or I'm not Christian enough because I'm having some really tough questions roll through my head and I'm dealing with having to embrace these things. But you said something that's fascinating and you said the first thing is, is acknowledge it. What, what is acknowledging your fear? What would that look like? Just that, recognizing it. So if I, for instance, as a mom, 
And so you can filter this through whatever role you are, if it's a single parent or a widowed parent or, a, you know, somebody whose spouse is deployed right now, all the different scenarios. Um, fear to me, and I would actually call it a healthy concern rather than fear. And fear, fear, we're talking about fear in a negative connotation. Fear that consumes you, fear that. I'm going to ask you a question real okay. quick. Do you feel like, that was an interesting point you just made. Do you feel like oftentimes we we're always framing fear as a negative? In Christian vernacular, more often than not. Right. Is so that like, a cop-out answer? No. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I was actually interested to know, to, to, to know your thought on that because um, we actually hadn't framed it that way mm-hmm. in our personal conversations. But I would agree with you. I think as Christians, we framed fear as like the, the, the opponent of our faith. Right. But yet we're human. And what do we do? And, and, and so you, you, you brought up this scripture. Um, I love this scripture, Psalm 56.3. You said David was writing and he said, when I am afraid. afraid. So when, when you, and you actually were the one who brought that up, you're like, Pat, one of the biggest patriarchs of our faith, the lineage of the Jesus that we, we serve, right professed he made this statement what is that statement when i am afraid what does that mean to you as a christian then reading it coming from a person like david well that tells me when i am afraid this isn't the first time david was afraid it sounds like it has right. been something that's continual and then going back to what you were maybe i made the point of it fear being universal uh to man um something that's interesting to note is we were created by a creator to experience fear as a physiological mechanism that is built into us. Um, so our, when we think of fear, we think of adrenaline. Um, it causes anxiety and worry, and it consumes. Um, in First Thessalonians 5.23, it says, May the God of peace sanctify us in our mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. So all those things that we're fearing, that cascade of hormones that comes when, oh my gosh, there's not enough food and I'm feeling compelled to hoard the ground chicken at Sprouts or <laughs> yes. toilet, whatever it is, that scarcity mentality out of rooted out of fear, um, it's built in us that mechanism to survive and to preserve ourselves and preserve our lineage. But when it gets out of control, um, where the anxiety, where it causes disease or dis-ease in your body is where it can create problems. And then it becomes that impasse between fear and faith where now I have allowed this to um, snowball to the point where I'm sick and I'm worried and I'm paralyzed or I want to flee or I want to fight because that's part of our primitive fight system. So where does faith come in? Yeah, so I, I love what um, we we have a a functional neurologist that's working with our four year old mm-hmm. and um, Dr. Jerome and it was the, I actually recommended to people from last week that they follow him on Instagram. He's giving away a free e course right now, and in that e course, just as you and I have begun to go through it ourselves for our own personal sake, uh, today I was just getting rocked by some things he was saying, and he was he was talking about the fear and the safety mechanism. And one of the things that he was saying is we have to understand that fear is something that we were given that God built us with this, this response of fear Mm -hmm. because it's our, it's the first thing that when fear kicks in, it heightens all of our awareness and allows us to be able to assess what the threats are, what the real threats are. If they're a real threat, um, what do I do about it? Do I need to do I need to take cover? Do I need to run? Do I need to do I need to fight? Mm-hmm. What's my response going to be? So fear is an absolute necessity that God built us with. It's it's the things that are attached to fear. And so when you talked about acknowledging fear today, I was just like, man, that is so good because oftentimes, you asked me, Pat, well, how do you deal with fear? And as we began talking about it, and I realized, like, yes, we have to acknowledge fear. When I'm afraid, it's this, that scripture was like David was saying, hey, fear, I'm acknowledging you. When I am afraid, mm-hmm. when, when I'm standing shoulder to shoulder with you, fear. And then he goes on and he begins to say some things uh, that, are, that are really key. 
um, before, before you get there, one of the things that we were talking about was in second Corinthians, this whole passage about, uh, I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So number one, what I would say is if I were framing this in a step-by-step, number one, acknowledge your fear. The number one thing that I think that we have found is acknowledge it. Acknowledge that fear can exist, and it does exist, and it, it doesn't have to be a negative uh, that, that God built us with it. The second thing, though, is behind it is to engage the fear by taking hold of it. Now, this was important because... We can acknowledge fear, fear you're there, but Second Corinthians is telling us, no, we're actually now going to engage it. And the funny thing is, is that I, in my own life, I know that I've dealt with this. Um, we've walked through many seasons in our life, and I went through a season of just high, 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 all caps anxiety, and was really tough on my, my body physically and emotionally and mentally. And fear was engaging me whether or not I was actively engaging with fear. So, so I think to help people, to help frame this a little bit for, for all of you is you're being engaged by fear right now if you're feeling fear. If you're feeling any of the signs of fear, it's the stressors that you're probably feeling. If you're having trouble sleeping, if your appetite's getting a little bit crazy, if you're a little bit jumpy, if you seem really hypersensitive, I'll use this word, hypersensitive, so maybe you're a little bit quick and jumpy with people. You're a little bit less. You're a little bit less patient. That's we we can we say amen to that in our house a little bit. Um, and those are some natural things. So you're dealing with you're standing shoulder to shoulder with fear. It's engaging you. Fear is engaging you right where you're at right now. And so what we're proposing is, is that God has built us with the ability. And so many times in Scripture, He comes to. Uh, one of the patriarchs, or he comes to someone and he says, for instance, Joshua, and he says, hey, I want you to um, be strong and courageous and don't be afraid. What he's saying is, is I know that you're going to stand shoulder to shoulder with fear, but I don't want you to be engaged by fear and then feel like you're a victim to it. I want you to have victory over it, so I need you to engage back. Second Corinthians gives us this weaponry to engage with fear by saying, hey, listen, fear, I'm going to demolish every argument that you want to bring to me and everything that's a pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That is what God thinks and what God knows and what God does and what God has promised. And we're going to imprison that thought. I talked about this a little bit on Sunday. We're going to imprison that. And Dr. Caroline Leaf, who you are a huge reader of and fan of, and um, you actually are the one who turned me on to, to, um, to Dr. Caroline Leaf, and... She, I love what she said, and again, I, I was talking about this on Sunday in my sermon, is she said, acknowledge it, and then engage it, grip it, hold it, call it by what it is. And what I have found a lot of times in my life, and I, I think you maybe have experienced this, is that behind fear, fear is, is the, I'm feeling fear, but there's something behind it that we can name, that we can grip, that we can have a hold of and that we're able to speak to, and we're able to put it in its place in terms of you are sub to this this major voice, this main voice, the voice that is the voice over my life. And to us, we would say, what is scripture? What is the word of God? What is what does Jesus say about that? Um, so when you name what you're afraid of specifically, you're also able to start to profess the promises and profess this by engaging it and profess these positive things. The rest of Psalm 56, um, can you can you read that and then talk a little bit about what you and I were talking about when when you read that and your practice and your exercise personally, you said this is what you know, th- this is what I've been doing, and you, you started rattling off scriptures and different things. And um, talk to me a little bit about and maybe share with us a little bit about, read, read Psalm 56 and then unfold that a little bit for us. Okay, so Psalm 56, 3 through 4. When I'm afraid, not if I'm afraid, when I am afraid, I will put my trust and faith in you, in God, whose word I praise, 
In God I have put my trust. I shall not fear. So I will put my trust and faith in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not fear. So fear for me, and this may speak to some other mothers, you know, the prospect of homeschooling. And if you've never homeschooled before, and will this be the duration of the year? And will my kids make it? Is somebody going to be strangled? Um, if you're married and my spouse, what does provision look like if, you know, there's a, th a threat financially or physically? So even last night, I feel putting my faith and my trust in the Lord is actually practicing those spiritual disciplines that I grew up practicing that can seem um, either mundane or they become redundant possibly through the years. But for me, that's what I have to grab a hold, to, uh, grab a hold of. Um, there's a verse in Isaiah... I think it's Isaiah 60. That's He keeps in perfect peace those whose mind are stayed on him. So if I'm constantly filling my mind and not taking those thoughts captive like that 2 Corinthians verse um, says to do, I um, that's when fear sets in for me. So I have to camp out on the word of God. I have to blast worship music. I have to, I have to laugh. Laughter is medicine to the soul. If I can't laugh like the world, Jesus might as well come back. <laughs> so there's different, there's different things that I do practically that help me address that fear head on, in addition to taking those thoughts captive. What am I filling my head with? Last night, I had to turn it off when I, I read that two infants were, you know, the newest casualties. To me, that went a little too far and a little close to home, so I had to turn it off because... That's when it started to creep up. All right. So to me, I feel like like this is the real stuff that people are dealing with. How do you manage? How, so last night, you're you know we're managing the tensions and and all the stuff in our home and and just normal life. We're managing the tensions and the unknown of everything going on outside of our home. And you hit this point where you're like. I'm trying to keep my mind stayed on these things. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there's information coming in that you felt like maybe the pot was boiling over a little bit. So do you feel like that that's you exercising wisdom or do you feel like that that's being avoidant of what's going on? Like where's the balance between, you know, Okay, I'm I'm buying into fear and I'm 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 getting I'm being informed, which I need to be informed from a healthy fashion. Because right. I think some people maybe struggle with that. Like right. you know, so how do you how do you frame that and how I do you navigate that? It's relative. So I being informed, being appropriately informed for me, I like to read the articles, I like to go to John Hopkins. I like to abide by the recommendations that the CDC recommends. When it gets to the point where... Which you and I are not right now. You, we're not oh, six feet but apart. but we're married. <laughs> but we're married, yeah. <laughs> yes. We, <laughs> um, which people have been calling law enforcement um, publicly. In, I, in our neighborhood. See, you're making me lose my train of thought. No, it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> in our neighborhood, people call law enforcement. Yes. Yeah. So you, it gets, but, but you the like, boiling point to me, when it's... When it goes beyond being appropriately informed and I start to literally feel afraid, like I can feel my adrenaline or I'm given to my thoughts just become um, inundated and consumed by whatever it is I just read or just heard. I know that it's time for me to turn it off or close it, whatever the case be, and um, turn to something more positive. So usually it's I'll go to... Um, an account or follow up or I'll listen to a sermon, whatever the, the case may be, because I need my mind to be stayed on him and not mm. um, something that'll evoke fear. So here's a, here's a question. So just, I, I want to reiterate to everyone watching, if you, if you guys have questions, you guys can actually post questions and um, our team will get us, you know, those questions at any time tonight. Uh, Cause I think as we're speaking, we're trying to be as clear as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and bring value to all of you guys to be able to give you guys at least some encouragement. But I know like the other night we were on 
you know, our Instagram live and people just started firing questions at us about parenting. And we were talking about like dating of all things. And it was just, it was a really fun time. But, um, I think as we were sharing it, what ended up happening was, is that it kind of opens people's minds up to start to think about these other questions. Well, how am I handling this or how would I handle this? So if you have questions, um, tonight as we're talking on how maybe we specifically handle a situation, um, and we're going to dive a little bit into as parents right now, um, how we've been navigating this with our children a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think this is a big one. So if you have questions, feel free and you can just put those questions in uh, either in the comments or in the chat and our team uh, who's in there chatting with you guys right now will will get us those questions. Um, so as parents, th this is this is really key. So one thing is is we're we're dealing with whatever fears, anxieties, uncertainties, unknowns on our own in our own life, you know, as adults who are halfway through, uh, conservatively halfway through this journey of life, um, given our age, but how, how, how can parents start to provide maybe some, some positive avenues or positive pathways? What are the things that you and I were talking about today as even as we were chatting and how have we maybe directed, um, things with our kids? to be able to help them in this situation? One, I think where we kind of went awry at the the first few days was not maintaining the routine. Mm -hmm. So routine for us means getting our teenagers up at a decent hour, starting our day, taking a shower, brushing your teeth, practicing hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, not to say that they don't do that. You're but talking about me or you? No. What, are you talk, what, not, what are you talking about? I'm you, not accusing anyone in the house. So. Did you brush your teeth tonight? <laughs> I, I did, did you brush I your brush teeth? I brush my teeth, okay. girl. Don't, don't try to check me. <laughs> um, and some sense of normalcy. So if it's, if it's math, kill and drill, if reading, language arts, whatever it is for the day, but in that routine, also being flexible as things change. Um, that's a big one for my... As emotions change, maybe? Emotions change, but just being flexible and not so rigid in that routine in itself. So we spend a lot of time playing. Um, one of the things for my kids, I was actually talking to my 85-year-old mother who lived through the, palming of, the bombing of Pearl Harbor when she was six and she remembers and I asked her what you remembered what do you remember and Dr. Jerome Libba actually talked about if you were around during 911 you remember where you were you might remember what you were eating what you were doing who you were talking to what you're wearing but you don't remember the day before yeah D yeah September 10th you probably don't have any idea where you were right so for my mom whose memory is um, just naturally slowing she remembers very vividly. She said, I remember the planes dogfighting and coming through, through the pass and having to put on our gas mask, the drills that we did growing up um, in the schools. And I said, well, what did you feel? What do you remember feeling? And she goes, well, at first I didn't realize what was going on. Um, and then when I had become aware, I was afraid. So her papa, her grandfather had taken her aside and informed her and said, this is what's going on, um, but this is what we're going to do. Um, and so he didn't, he didn't hide anything from her. He made it um, so that she can understand as a child. So with our kids today, um, having those conversations with them, addressing it because they're fearful too. Mm -hmm. Our 15-year-old got in the car when this all started and said, Mom, we can't go to school because of this virus. And yeah. so not um, minimizing it or discounting those fears, and, but letting them talk and process just like we do as adults. So that has been helpful. Um, because in those memories, like my mom, Pearl Harbor, um, we want this time, we don't know because we haven't gone forward, but in listening to her and in hindsight, talking about those things and forming memories mm -hmm. and what can we do as parents, um, just to help them create memories that are positive and fun and not, you know, rooted in, like I said, mm -hmm flooded by fear and my mom panicked and my dad panicked and we always at the store and you know we you know wore full whatever garb and um yeah. you know to yeah so so one of the things that what's interesting about what you just said was is so our memories so 
fear, you and I were talking about this today. So fear has this really interesting part that it plays because fear is something that a lot of times, um, again, Dr. Jerome was talking about this in his free e-course. It's a lot of times fear is rooted in a, let's say a negative experience that's fixed in your past. And so what that means is, is that none of us, not one of us can go back and fix or change our past. It's fixed. It's, it's static. It's there. We can't go back and change anything. But our future, he says, is dynamic. Our future is something that can be formed, can be shaped, it can be, we can change. We, so it's this positive idea that even though you may sit somewhere today, that we have the ability to walk into a future that you might more preferably want because you have the ability to change it. But you have to understand that your fears are fixed in the past. So with our kids, I think one of the things is, is what memories are we fixing in their past? So we're helping them to, years from now, when something comes up that reminds them of the situation that we're in today, what are the memories that are fixed in their past that they're going to be able to draw from? And are those memories that you and I as parents are making with them, are those memories going to be more helpful or more harmful? The truth is, is that we're all human. So I'm going to totally take a wild stab at this and say that regardless of how good of a job we do as parents, there's a high likelihood that our kids are going to be like, well, there's some good memories, but there's some bad memories. So really, I think when you talk about, you know, routines has been huge for us, especially with having so many people in our house. Um, keeping those routines is really important. I know you, you had asked me, you know, what are, how, how do you handle fear? And I said, I, tr- I just tend to compartmentalize things. So I'm really like, okay, I'm feeling this way. What what is it specifically that's making me feel this way? Let me let me name it. Let me grab a hold of it. Let me put it where it needs to be. Can I change it? No, I can't change it. Let me let me try to let me try to deal with it appropriately um, and move past this. With our children, we are walking them through the same process. So when you said, "Our fifteen-year-old got in the car and she said, Mom and." You know, you watch the emotion of a teenager, you know, like, oh my gosh, you know, and there's just so much passion and emotion behind some of the simple things that they say and they're explaining to you. And there's this moment, though, that you have the ability to recognize, even in them, recognize and acknowledge that fear Mm -hmm. in our 15-year-old daughter and say, hey, right, we're not going to minimize it. You know, that's, so what we wouldn't say to our kids is this. Um, we wouldn't say to our child, hey, that, f- that feeling you have is completely irrational and it's just downright silly and stupid that you feel that way. Well, and that's especially important because you tend to compartmentalize, but females tend to, it's just a muddled mess of being overwhelmed. Explain. Okay. <laughs> you, but you, yeah, you and I actually understand the brain science behind that. Right. Can you explain why you just said that like what's the science behind that for the female brain for the between the between the difference of that male compartmentalize kind of single track one window's open the female brain well specifically for the female brain who in this case happens to be a teenager she is being flooded with hormones and so her brain they tend to live more so in the right hemisphere and this isn't this isn't brass tacks um, because they also have the logical side that sometimes kicks in most of the time. Yeah. But helping them, what's interesting is there's a historical society is actually collecting stories from kids right now. Helping them, like I said earlier, process it and process, process, especially for females. Most females means to externally process. So if that's talking in 10 different ways, telling the same story, that's what helps them process so. um, th- and, and, and build that narrative, what's happening to them now, yeah. so that the historical society can take that. And mm. I mean, I think that's an awesome project that they're doing, but also to exercise in the home. So we've actually, my mom still reads the newspaper, so we've been clipping stories 
from what has been happening. And again, some of it's editorial and opinion-based, but for the most part, it's helping them to, oh, okay, I remember that. But it's also, in the Bible, how many times did God say, set up an altar, set up, set up a stone of remembrance? What happened here, Jacob? What happened here, Isaac? Why did you dig a well here? What happened here? Well, this is where we cried, and God said, move on. This isn't the time or place. Yeah. It's the same exercise. What happened here? What miracles did you wow. see? That is, that is super profound. You know, because I, I think about like Joshua crossing over and the priest gathering the rocks and setting up and marking that moment. Mm-hmm. And so, in a way, what you're what you're what you're saying to us is like, gosh, we need to we need to actually help our kids mark the moment. Right. Where I think what we want to do as parents is we want to protect our kids and in protecting our children. So protection a lot of times looks like covering them, like wrapping them up, covering them, keeping them out of the know, keeping them out of the conversation, not engaging it. When they come into the room, we hush, you know, oh, hey, let's talk about something else. Mm -hmm. Let's not talk about that in front of the kids. What you're actually saying is, and, and if you read the Old Testament, it's brilliant, is no, I want you actually with your children. I want you to be meditating on these things and remember these things in your homes and in your work and with your children. In fact, I don't want this. I don't want it to leave your mind. I don't want it to leave your lips. I want you to to remember these things. And there's something powerful that I think God's giving us when he puts that back in our hands and says, you have the ability to make these memories and you call this altar what what, what you deem I did here. So right. if I delivered you, you call this al- this alter deliverance. Right. And so one of the things with our kids is um, talking to them about not what is happening to us, but what is God doing through us? Right. What is God doing? Not, not, not why is this happening, but like, God, what are you doing in this? So one of the questions is like, gosh, what are you doing in our family in this? What are you doing in my personal life in this? What are you doing in our neighborhood in this? What are you doing in our church in this? What are you doing in our country? Right. What are you doing globally? in this. And so I, I just think that's super, super profound. Let our kids talk about it. Let them mark those memories. Let them externalize that. Right. Um, I think is brilliant. So we, we have a question. Um, I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to let you speak to it. Um, it says, I know you homeschool. Can you give any recommendations on how to homeschool in this season? Here, here Now, here's my question, though. If who, whoever gave us that question... Um, I'm assuming that you do not homeschool normally. So if you can, you can just like give a little like woo-woo, like hand, high five or whatever um, to, to the girls who are in the chat room and let us know. I'm a, so I'm going to make the assumption when I ask you this question, the person asking this question to you does not homeschool currently, but now is in the situation they're having to but I, I want to be clear about that. So if that's not the case, you can correct us. Is that right? That's right. Cool. Okay. High tech. We got thumbs up. Okay. So what, what, what would you say? I know you homeschool. Can you give us any recommendations on how to homeschool in this season? So what does that look like? We, we normally homeschool and that looks, that looks different for the different kids. What recommendations would you give to a mom or a dad who are walking through this and they don't normally do it? How can we help them? Run and hide. <laughs> Suspend and expel all your students. I have run and hidden at least a couple times in the last week. Desig- designate a closet. Can we just be Kate? Can we just be real for a second? Homeschooling is not easy. So I just I want to say you you actually I think have some really practical things that you're gonna you're gonna share with whoever asked this question. But it is not easy. Give yourself a ton of grace. Mm-hmm. Give your child a bunch of grace, keeping in mind that everything is heightened right now. Yeah. Um, emotions are heightened. There's a lot going on. Just really try your best to understand that you're both in a place that there's probably you're a little bit more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then practically speaking, what, what can you speak to? Well, your homeschooling is actually not a new thing. The formal education is new. Um, and I think God and his sovereignty and his humor, this is all happening for a reset for our families, as a reset for our families. So what better opportunity and time is now to 
um, be able to teach those kids our kids um, things that you know are of value to us. That's probably number one thing. Um, and then teaching to each kid in their learning styles. We could probably do several of these discussions just on homeschooling yeah. alone. Yeah. Um, there is a really good book by Sarah McKenzie called Teaching from Rest, and it's short. And whether you homeschool or not, because if you don't homeschool and your kids are coming home with homework, there is a degree of home education. Um, but like Pat said, for the most part, having grace. I tend to be a very um, structured, tick the box, Pat said, militant um, general <laughs> around the house. Like I, I yeah. tend to run a tight ship. But when it comes to homeschooling and considering each of our kids' personalities, um, their teaching styles, for instance, teaching styles, I mean, one tends to be more kinesthetic. So I will put her on, I will let her do a math problem, have her do a math problem, and then ride around on her scooter because that helps her retain information. Some of them um, like to listen to music, whatever it is. And you'll learn this if they seem like you're, they they have this look like you're stabbing them in their eye or their ears, <laughs> or it's a drudgery, then it's probably not, it want, there could be a couple things going on. You, the lesson has been too long. Um, it's not teaching to their style. They're hungry, they're tired, whatever it is. Um, the number two thing I would say is the Holy Spirit and asking for his leading with every child. Um, and what educating them looks like. Homeschool originally started out, um, <laughs> there's a whole, the education's in the industrial system, that's when we started these formal school rooms. Um, originally, in biblical times, there was a covenant between the parent and child, Deuteronomy 6, teach them, you know, tie it around their wrists, teach it, talk about it on the way, talk about it in the day, talk about it at night. Wherever that child is walking, they're seeing um, something about God. So that covenant at home with your kids now, um, I would start with that. If, if you've never, if they don't go to Sunday school, our Sunday school um, is producing, which is amazing. And I love seeing on Instagram these moms and dads doing that lesson at home um, yeah. that our kids' ministry sends out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and having the time to do it. So like I said, really seizing this time to focus on those things that are of value. If your child likes science and nature, let them run. My four-year-old, we're not doing any formal education with her, but for her, that looks like going outside and playing um, and developing language skills. That was good. I was reading a, I was reading a question. Mm -hmm. um, no. There I are some websites. So your schools, um, all of your school districts are rolling out um, a method and the information. I know for us, we're not starting, we're not resuming until next Monday. So uh, we have a lot of teachers in our neighborhood who are also very fearful. They don't know this is new to them. Um, granted, they've been trained and they're credentialed to do this. So they are also waiting for direction from their um, superintendents of the school district. So we're all kind of in the same boat for those of you who've never homeschooled. Yeah. Um, I would say the, the biggest thing that you're doing, and I'm giving like huge, huge like props for this, is I'm gonna go back to something you said though, is mm -hmm. you've maintained a routine with the kids. Right. The biggest thing we have learned is that the routine may look uh, unconventional, mm -hmm. but it's still a routine. So one of my children will jump on a trampoline and run in the house and do some work and kind of get through it. You can tell she'll start to kind of like fade. And then you allow her to go and do what she's going to do, maybe get some food. But there's still a routine, believe it or not, right. even though it doesn't look like the traditional classroom of walk in, sit down, don't say anything, listen to a teacher for X amount of hours a day, take a break at recess, you know, stay orderly, do this thing. So routine can look like it's not really rooted in anything, but it can be, it's very, it's very grounding for the kid. Right. So if your child isn't used to being at home and schooled with you as a parent, routine, 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 well, it's routine. maintaining some normalcy yeah. for them. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that we learned, not even through this circumstance that we're going through right now, um, having kids at home, but before. Like we learned early on, gosh, if these kids don't have a routine, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that might mean for your child, um, you're going to wake up every morning at the same time. You're going to shower, brush your teeth, and put on a different pair of clothes. Because some kids need physically to be out of their pajamas or else they're going to they're gonna want to lay around all day. Right. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think that's great. If you guys, and here's the deal too. What we'll do is um, if, you, if you want any of the resources that Shander was talking about or if you want any resources for homeschooling stuff, you can just DM us or you can message us and we'll get you guys that stuff. We can email you or we can connect with you and we can get you that information so um, you don't feel like you're being left hanging. Um, here's a question. I'm going to try and get through these. Um, what's, uh, it says ways to balance working from home and taking care of your family, making sure they're okay mentally and emotionally. Gosh. Making sure they're okay mentally and emotionally instantly makes me think of the flight attendant who's giving instruction with the oxygen mask. Um, you've all heard that illusion, you know, putting on yourself as the parent first. Yeah. Um, so that then, because if you're dead, there's no point. You can't put it on your child. So in our house, our fight every day is it's an interesting dance. So for Shander and I personally, here's here's what we strain over every single day. Do you know what I'm going to say? For you and I to maintain health, what is one of the biggest things that we have to do, fight for? Do I get to exercise now? Do you, Shander? <laughs> she says, do I get to exercise now? <laughs> Because you're all exercised up. <laughs> I get up in the morning and I'm like, I'm going to go work out. And then she's nursing a baby and she's doing all the stuff. And then some point making in the day. Breakfast for making 10 breakfast people. breakfast for not me. Mm-hmm. So that's. Changing a diaper. That's nine, one nurses. Nursing again. Eight. So really you make uh-huh. breakfast for seven Getting people. Getting everybody bathed. Seven uh-huh. people. Now it's lunchtime. Now it's lunchtime. And she needs to nurse again. And she needs to nurse mm-hmm. again. And she's like, can I just work out? Can I do jumping jacks without something attached to the front of me? This is really hard to work out with a child nursing. And so what I would tell you is this, is making sure you're okay mentally and emotionally first is the very best Mm -hmm. thing you can do for your family. Um, And Shannon and I are actually figuring that out. Like, I know that she needs to work out. So today she was like, I'm exhausted. It was the middle of the day. We're talking about tonight. And she was tired. She's like, I'm exhausted. She's up at night nursing a baby. She knew that she was coming in here to do this with me. And she's like, I'm super exhausted. And her first thing was like, I need to work out. She knew, and this was brilliant of her, she knew that if she went and worked out, that something was going to happen in her body where she was going to get the endorphins. She was going to get those feel Oxygen to my brain. Oxygen to her brain. (laughs) So all of a sudden, she's now awake. And then her and I had this conversation after she worked out. And it was like, she was there. She was alert. (laughs) and it was it was incredible um so i think that's really important and working from home and taking care of your family so i'm going to speak to i work from home a lot Mm -hmm. setting boundaries and routine again so for me right now like my main workspace is our garage and i think you guys you guys know like if i go out to the garage i'm i'm working like i have my computer i have my my beats on and i got books around me and i'm trying to get stuff done and i think you guys do a really good job of of helping navigate that i think just setting aside some things and creating those boundaries especially for people right now we have kids home unexpectedly and we have moms or dads or whoever's home working as well and there's a lot of things happening in the home well and if it's the principal caregiver who is also working and has to come home yeah. um that maybe might require for me i have to get up earlier or i have to stay up later yeah yep so and, 5 a.m that flexibility again yeah being so flexible sometimes it's i'm up you know we're up at 5 a.m sometimes we know that we're going to be up till 11 o'clock at night so and then there's some things within your day that might be non-negotiables so we filter everything through that these are non-negotiables we have some wiggle room yeah hour wise yeah so set so set the things that are in stone set those and then know what things are are capable of being moved around that helps also set expectations some of our children some of (laughs) some of us one of the two of us maybe both of us to a certain degree like have a hard time when things move outside of expectations typically i'm like this is set and then if you move my food i want to melt down and I run out of something, and Chandra's That's like, accurate. "Is that accurate?" Yes. Thanks for that. I appreciate that positive <laughs> reinforcement. Um, so I ran around today trying to find ground chicken and egg whites. 
you know, that was my goal. And mm. I found them and I bought all of them um, out of the store. Hoarder. Um, thank you. Appreciate that positive mm. encouragement as well. <laughs> um, so another question. Um, it says, as believers... No, there was another one that I wanted to get to. Oh, that was from, I know where it was at. So somewhat off topic. There's been a lot of controversy in the media about pastors refusing to adhere to the measures put in place by the government as to closing large gatherings, um, i.e. church on Sunday. What are your views on this, and how do you think we should respond? I'm going to make this really simple. I think we have an obligation um, as citizens of the country we live in to respond and adhere to the requests that we've been given by the government that God has placed over us. So if I was in another country, then I would adhere to what they were asking me to do, which might be more strict as a pastor. But I firmly believe that we need to adhere to, we're being asked specifically to not gather over 10. So and in what we do here, um, does that make it hard? Yeah, it makes it hard. That was a hard decision for us. That was a really difficult decision for us. That was hard for our for our staff. It's and it's hard on you guys. You know, all of you that are watching, all of that you're going to see this is this is difficult for us. This is this is really difficult for us. But uh, I will tell you that I also firmly believe that God is going to honor us being obedient to what we've been asked to do. And here, here's here's a, a side note to this. Um, I think some people, so I've had some people, quote unquote, tell me that the reason why they may not close their church is because um, they are not full of fear, as if I'm full of fear. But the truth is, I think it takes more courage to trust God in America right now and not have people gather in your building because so many churches have made everything about Sunday and gathering, and we haven't really worked hard on what happens midweek between Sunday and the next Sunday. And so if all I'm doing is running events from Sunday to Sunday, then I think I, I would probably want to argue that. And I would say, I want to continue meeting. And I'm not saying everybody who is in my position as a pastor who is not adhering to this is, is saying that. But I think there's an element to that where that it's, it, fear can work both ways. So I'm afraid to close the doors because I'm afraid what might happen. Um, so for me, it's just, hey, let's adhere, and we've taken the, the stance that we're going to adhere to what we, we're being asked by the government. And we have a lot of strong support. So uh, Julie, who is our executive pastor, is on you know weekly calls uh, with the White House and has been able to speak directly with you know the White House and officials there and um, the the head of the CDC and national transportation. And so we're, we're really trying to do our best to be informed. I think what you were talking about earlier, be informed the best we can. And then we have to also understand that we are impacting and affecting literally thousands of people's lives. Because if I say, I'm not going to adhere to this. And then all of a sudden we are part of the, the yeah, the spread of what's going on. I would feel horrible. And I think it just it shows a lot of irresponsibility. That's my opinion. That's our stance. That's why we decided to um, move to just doing church at home via online uh, for right now. And we're going to adhere to what to what we're being asked to do. Um, okay. There was another one. It's a different feed. Oh. Um. What what oh, other advice? do you have for homeschooling children with special needs, specifically autism? So we have a almost five-year-old who has some special needs. So she's got, you know, an IEP with her school and she's in a preschool and we definitely have some struggles with her when it comes to education and we definitely have to modify. What were you doing? Um, I think one, find a resource that you can bring into your home. So for instance, share with everybody what you were doing today um, with her speech therapist? So to answer that question, if you've never homeschooled this child with special needs, uh, the school, your local school dis district is outfitted with a wealth of resource as far as, uh, it depends on if they're nonverbal, 
whatever the case, if they need an assistive device, they have resources for all of that. So um, our four-year-old, we she is currently under the care of a speech therapist. So they have moved everything to a telehealth conference, which that's available through your insurance. If there's any need for speech therapy, uh, your medical insurance can set that up. And their, their turnaround time is pretty quick as of late. Um, there are a lot of Instagram or social media websites. A lot of, lot of them tend to be mothers running these sites because they're the ones caring principally for these kids um, that you can consult. That if you just Google autism, that those sites will come up. So I think relying on um, resource, resource, resource. I think that's the one thing that we've mm -hmm. learned with our almost five-year-old is resource, resource, resource. There is a ton of resource out there. Now you might have to do a little bit of work as a parent. So I want you to understand that. Um, we had heard this before from people, but I think it became much more evident to you and I when we started to have to navigate and walk through some stuff that we had to with our, with our, um, four, with our four-year-old, um, is we had to become her biggest advocate. So there's a lot of resource out there and it's just a matter of knowing where to go. So Chandra specifically, like your school district um, is actually, if, if your child is in the system already, they, to a certain degree, have a responsibility to provide you with resources that, that are going to be really helpful and beneficial. And in this case, she was talking about our four-year-old uh, speech therapy. So that speech therapist was really quick to make adjustments. Hey, I know that, you know, Kalea is not going to be able to come in, but hey, I'm going to set this up on a video conference. And she was fully engaged for like 30 minutes, right. fully engaged with her speech therapist today, learning sign language and developing some speech habits and, you know, making some consonant sounds and all that. So, but we had to go after that. Like I, you had to be very proactive and then we have to get together. We have to decide we support and we become their biggest advocate. If you and have, know your child best. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things we've learned is that no matter what the expert has maybe gone to school for or what have you, you know your child best, period. You know your child. So uh, don't be afraid to advocate for your child. Get the information. If you have questions specific, like if there's you, this, this question was specifically autism. Um, there are specific resources for autism. Do you have any specific resources that we can link to this? The girls can give you my email and take yours and I can send you those resources. There's specific books that I've purchased. Do you mind if I just say your email right now? Go ahead. Okay. So shanlynch at gmail.com. The girls can put that in. Shan, C-H-A-N, as in Nancy, Lynch, L-Y-N-C-H, at gmail.com. So the, girl, the girls will put that in all the comments. And then also, if you had a moment to write that down, um, you can email Chandra, and she'd be more than happy to dialogue with you about that. Because um, early on, we actually, uh, we had our, our daughter tested multiple times for autism as she's grown. And I still don't feel like that's 100% conclusive, but... Um, we've definitely walked down that road and navigated some of that. Mm -hmm. um, another question was, as believers, what specific hopes are you holding on to biblically that can be encouraging? What would you say to that? I mentioned this earlier. For me, it's the, the practice of those spiritual disciplines. So that looks like reading the Word of God, keeping my mind stayed on Him by praying. Um, I'll pray with my kids, usually that's what I'm given to if I don't know what else to do. Um, I had written a whole bunch of other things down. Those are probably the most glaring things that I do that's encouraging. I, posting scriptures around, um, reading them over and over with the girls. Um, one thing that during this time, you know, I know, I know there are a lot of restrictions imposed, but there is no restriction on hope and spreading hope. So um, even in your neighborhoods, I think a lot of it's deflected off of if, if you are grappling with fear or worry, something that the girls and I've been doing is anonymously, now it's not anonymous, 
I shouldn't even say what we're doing, but <laughs> blessing other people in our neighborhood. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a good way to put whether it. Whether that's, you know, dropping off a letter or baking or dropping off food anonymously. Yeah. Um, because it's getting our girls to think um, there's so much bigger beyond um, this current circumstance. And for them, it's very fulfilling and encouraging. And for them to see that other person blessed is huge. Yeah. So this question of hope, it's really fascinating because um, I think what you were speaking to right there is there's things that we can hold on to as believers, um, specifically in Scripture, that give us hope. And I would start by saying this. Any of the Scripture, for instance, we, we read earlier in Psalms, you know, when I am afraid... I put my trust and faith in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not fear what can mere man do to me. And it's like, gosh, there's so many things in that. The promise in that is, is that when I place my trust in God, I said this on Sunday, you know, God's leave the outcome to God and we're in control of the outlook. And so the, the psalm is written in a way that's like, what what can a mere man do to me? And it's because, well, if I place my trust in God and I place my faith in God, what what can man do? To, there's a promise attached to that. Like, I'm protected. I'm safe. Um, I think one of the questions that you and I really landed on was somebody had asked me this question, gosh, in the hand, I think last week or something like that, um, was how to witness to people. Oh, it was the other night on when we were on our Instagram live. Somebody said, um, "Hey, how do you how do you witness to people right now in a time like this, or give hope to someone who's not a believer in a time like this? How do you share that? How do you tell them about hope in a time like this?" That's what it was, and I said, "Show them hope." So here's the deal. Um, I would, I, I would, um, I would probably say this almost in conclusion of our evening here together. You and I were made in the image of God, and God created us with this factor inside of us called fear. And it's for a purpose and a reason. It keeps us alive. It, it gives us a, an initial stimulus and a response to get us moving, to come to conclusions that save our lives, that put us in better situations, safer situations, more profitable situations. Um, not always, but it's there as a stimulus. One of the things that I think we grapple with as Christians in this behind this question of how do we share hope, I'm going to use a different word. How, how can we be a witness? If I'm dealing with fear, how am I going to be a witness to the people around me, to my neighbors? And one of the things that you and I were talking about was one of the best things that I try to do, and I, I would probably end up prescribing is, even if you're dealing with fear, you've acknowledged it, you've named it, and you're, you're dealing with it, be willing to be vulnerable with it. And what I mean by that is when your neighbors or your friends or your family members are talking to you and you're like, hey, um, I'm, you know, I, I have a faith in Jesus. And if you choose to say, I'm not afraid of anything at all, I don't feel any of those emotions, we come off as Christians as like less than human. And it's, yeah, like self-righteous, right? And then all of a sudden, and I'm not saying that we don't have more peace, but we're human. And I think by humanizing and the honesty, I think by humanizing and being more honest, I think that's when we bring hope. Because I think people around us are looking at us going, I, I need to see myself in you. You know, I need to see myself in, in, in you, Chandra. So like, I'm recognizing that you're dealing with some of this uneasiness as a mama and as a wife and as a child of God and this God that you profess that brings so much peace and that loves you so much, he would send his son. And how are you dealing with that? Because it's, it's, it's apparent to me that you're, it's impacting you and you're engaged with it and you're not being avoidant, but how are you dealing with it? And in that rawness and in that honesty of your humanity and what you're feeling and like, you know what, I'm feeling that too and this is what I'm doing and this is what, this is what Matthew says in, in, in this book called the Bible. This is, this is what Jeremiah says. This is what, this is what Isaiah says in, in the Bible in Isaiah 41.10. He says, do not fear anything for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. And be assured that I will help you. 
I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand, a hand of justice, of power, of victory, and of salvation. The best thing that we can do is be vulnerable and raw and open and honest about the fact that I may have faith in, in Jesus, but I am dealing with the same uncertainties. I'm wrestling with the same thoughts. I think you and I have this, like even today, there was like this checkup moment. Like you're like, are you even dealing with fear? Like, how are you dealing with it? And it was, I think you needed to see the humanity in your husband. Like, how are you dealing with this? If I would have said, I'm not dealing with it, I'm totally fine. You would have gone, you're, you're lying to me because you're human. And that somehow, it, it, it actually, I think, draws away from my ability to even be a witness of hope to people in their lives. So I just would encourage you guys, like really draw close to, um, draw close to understanding that you're built with this mechanism. Um, you know, guard your hearts, employ what scripture says. Um, and then also as parents, you know, know that the same things apply to your kids and how you navigate that with your children. So what I'm going to do, um, is it's been, it's been, I just want to thank you for coming and hanging out with me. So tonight we did things a little bit differently. Um, we didn't have any music at the beginning. We didn't have any worship. Um, and things are changing, I feel like, by the second around here in terms of how we're uh, doing things and needing to do things. That was an adjustment that we needed to make, uh, was no, no worship music at the beginning of this. But um, I really hope that the content and what we, what we walked in and Chandra and I sat down and had just really an open dialogue uh, I hope we brought some some value to you and your home. I, I hope, if anything, we sparked some thoughts and ideas and questions and maybe some things if you're a parent that you can speak with your children about. Um, we're going to pray here and as we wrap up. And before I do, I just I want to remind you, if you have any questions or comments about anything that we said here tonight, uh, I would highly encourage you that you can always reach out to us. Um, I already gave Chandra's email out. You gave our home address out the other night live on Instagram to hundreds of people. It was funny. We laughed. Yeah. It, that was, that was so sweet. Um, all over cookies. It was over cookies. Whoever could get to our house first could have the free cookies we put outside. Um, if you have, if you, yeah, if you have any questions or comments or need anything, um, her email again is Shan Lynch at Gmail. Mine is just Pat at the movement.org. It's just my first name. Uh, at the movement.org. And so you can reach out to us. You can always find us on our social media platforms and stuff like that. And we would love, love, love to be able to engage with you. We would love to be able to converse with you if you have other questions or private things. That's another huge thing. Maybe you had a question tonight that you didn't want to put in a public forum um, and you want to address specifically, maybe specifically with a, with a female. Um, that's where Chandra, you know, you can go directly to Chandra. Um, or maybe there's something that her and I can speak to if you're a couple or um, as parents or something like that. I just I want to be sure that as we wrap up that that all of you know that we're open and we're here. We have open um, hearts and ears to be able to hear you guys and to, to answer whatever questions or be a soundboard or do whatever we can or at least point you in the right direction, right? Here's the thing. We don't have all the answers, right? <laughs> We don't have all the answers and we're not perfect, but we can point you in the right direction. But um, let's pray and, um, and let's wrap our night up. So Lord, God, I, um, I thank you for these moments. And even though um, I know even this, this platform on Wednesday night was born out of a necessity that wasn't here uh, and out of something that was, that's taking place that wasn't here 30 days ago, uh, I just love the fact that what you're doing is, is you're drawing out of a situation that could be perceived as 100% negative. You're drawing so many positive things out of it. Questions are being asked. Parents are being more, uh, maybe more engaged or re-engaged with their children, spouses with each other. Uh, human to human contact, I think just the awareness that we need each other more than ever and it's not just in our homes, it's across our cities and it's in our nation and it's a global need that we are built for connection. And we're built with these primal instincts and one of them being fear. And God, that we're not gonna be little fear. If someone's feeling fear, we're here to stand with you and say we feel it at times too. 
uh, but I'm choosing to not let it rule. I want to acknowledge my emotions. I want to acknowledge what's going on and what I'm feeling, but I'm also going to choose, God, to not let those things rule over me. If there's anybody that hears uh, my voice here tonight, that fear or anxiety or worry are ruling and reigning over their home or in their hearts, God, I just speak to that right now in the name of Jesus. God, I ask for your Holy Spirit that's alive and well, that can penetrate um, through all darkness, God, would come in right now and begin to bring light into those areas. God would be a comforter, as Scripture says, that your Holy Spirit is a comforter, it's a helper. It literally is there to stand alongside, to pick up the weight that we can't bear. And when we feel like we cannot bear the weight of maybe some of the stressors that we're going through um, right now or we're walking in circumstances, it says that your Holy Spirit is a comforter and a helper and a helper to come alongside and to bear the weight of what we cannot bear. And so God, um, it just takes us turning to you and saying, God, I can't bear this. And if there's anyone right now that, that's listening, that you're in that spot, that you right now, you audibly can just say, Jesus, I cannot bear this, but you bore everything and you left us something in the Holy Spirit. You left us someone in the Holy Spirit to be able to bear what I couldn't bear. Mm-hmm. And so, Lord, we pray right now for every single person hearing this, that we would be more connected than ever to you, more connected than ever to our families and to our neighbors, that we would learn a new language of love uh, between each other that we, we maybe had lost, but it would be refreshed and revived and renewed. So God, we thank you. and We look forward to the moments that we get to spend with everybody face-to-face and shoulder-to-shoulder, and we miss everybody dearly. God, we thank you for this brief moment in the time of history that we spent. Um, broadcasting into into your living room, that somehow something that was said brought a piece of hope that your heart needed, a piece of um, just that spiritual peace and that internal grounding and rooting that you needed. So, Father, we thank you. And in the power of your Son's name, Jesus, we can say amen and amen. Thanks for joining us for Wednesday Night Live Week 2. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Join us on Sunday. 8, 9.30, and 11.15 as we come to your home and we have a special service for you. Uh, We spend some time together from my wife Shandra and I. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We look forward to seeing you soon. Bye.